Guardian Unlimited. Welcome to Islamophonic, the ultimate weekly Muslim podcast from The Guardian. Today we push the boat out, splash the cash and generally roll out the red prayer mat for our American special. I report from the Islamic Society of North America's 44th annual convention, the largest Muslim gathering on the continent. So much of what we do in this program relates to the British experience and I wanted to know more about Muslim life across the pond. So I packed my bags and my chastity belt, just kidding, and made the difficult decision to spend the weekend in Chicago living the Muslim American dream. I wanted to call you before I got on the plane, but I didn't have a chance, so... I will, I promise. I'll ring you every day, Mum. Okay then. So I've just landed at Chicago O'Hare and I've complained to United Airlines about them damaging my laptop in transit. They don't seem to care, but never mind. Um, there weren't any major problems at security, although I wish I could have recorded that conversation. I didn't think they'd appreciate a dark-skinned person whipping out an electronic device at that point. But they asked me where I was from, and that could have meant anything. They asked me about the newspaper I worked for and what I was going to be doing in Chicago. So I just smiled my way through it and... Um, Luckily, they believe me. Obviously, not that I'm here to cause any trouble or anything. Is it safe to type in the address while you're driving? Okay, no, it's alright, look at the road, it's okay. My Bulgarian taxi driver was unimpressed by the prospect of 40,000 Muslims under one roof, and he was very disappointed that making sex wasn't on the agenda. That being the case, my first port of call was Society President and ISNA organiser Ingrid Matson to find out the driving force behind the convention. Muslims in North America are, are scattered all over this huge continent. And so it provides an opportunity for us to get together for a number of days to share experiences, to share ideas, um, to get to know each other, and to meet with others. Um, how did America change for Muslims after 9-11? The biggest change was that it no longer was possible to be an anonymous Muslim. Everyone knows now something about Islam. Mostly what they know is inaccurate, and that means that all Muslims feel they have to respond in some way. Why should I be surprised that there's a woman leading such a prominent organization? I don't think it would happen in Britain. Mm. I think one of the advantages that American Muslims have is our community is highly diverse ethnically. A large segment of our community is American, um, primarily African-American. And because of this diversity, we've been able to, and we've been forced to, scrutinize our beliefs. What is right, what is wrong in Islam, whether it is the organization of the mosque and how prayers will be held, all of these different kinds of things. And come to the agreement, the vast majority of us, that there's nothing that excludes a, a woman from this position of leadership. What are you most looking forward to at the convention? What I enjoy is seeing so many Muslims gather together relaxed and confident and comfortable in this large group of other Muslims where they're not, they're not feeling people are looking at them differently or scrutinizing them. But is there a particular seminar or workshop or event? I mean, some of the stuff is spiritual. Sometimes you're discussing political or social issues. It's fairly right on, isn't it? Well, we have, we have everything. There are some people who come here who are primarily interested in the cultural events. So there's something here for everyone. 
To find out if she was right, I left the quiet confines of the press conference to go join the Isna Bazaar, which, according to my brochure, is 220,000 square foot of shopping space. Stuff full of stalls selling prayer mats, Qurans, hijabs, but weirder stuff as well, like satnavs for Mecca, halal jerky, and Quranic iPods. And just when I thought it couldn't get any stranger. So what's your name and who do you work for? Hisham Elgamil. Well, we're here to uh, recruit for the FBI. We have numerous opportunities, whether special agents or uh, support personnel. We're always looking for people. And why do you come to ISNA? We're trying to reach out to the community more and more. We understand there is a gap between the uh, U.S. federal government in general and the Muslim community. And we're just trying to let them know that we are here. If they have any questions or concerns, they can come talk to us. What do you think their concerns are? Uh, just you know, certain treatments of the Muslim community, certain uh, policies, you know, things, some things that we have control over, some things we don't have any control over. What are the benefits that um, a Muslim employee would bring to the FBI? Well, it's a great benefits. Um, being a Muslim myself, I, you bring in an understanding of the culture and tradition and the language and the, I'm sorry, the religion and educating folks from within on some of the issues of concerns. Uh, that way, when we are dealing with the public, we're dealing with them with an understanding from within, as opposed to going out and talking to people not knowing some of the basic things that we should know. Can I come and work for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't you have to be American, though? Uh, if you're not? Okay. No, yeah, you have to be a U.S. citizen. Sorry. Does this mean I have to marry an American? That's one way of doing it. It's, it's the size of a small airport. I reckon it's the size of maybe Stansted. And you've got between 300 and 400 stores selling absolutely everything you need and lots of things that you probably don't. My name is Tara Owens. I'm selling uh, Janazah kits for Muslim and Islamic burials. Why is it important to have a Janazah kit? Um, the reason why I thought of this was I thought it helped out to take away burden you know, and stress on a family when the time came. If something happened, you can get it online. You can order, you know, and have next day. And what's it like being a Muslim in America? Well, my family became Muslim way back in like a, a Nation of Islam experience. So um, I was a Muslim back in the 60s. So, you know, I love it. I wouldn't be any other way being Muslim. I haven't had a whole lot of personal uh, problems with my religion, so it's great in America. Shopping! 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 <laughs> I'm here at Isna with my second favorite Muslim in the world. My first favorite Muslim obviously being the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. <laughs> but next to me is Hijab Man. Asalaamu Alaikum. How are you doing? Now, Isna's only just started and you're doing a brisk trade. What would you say is your best-selling t-shirt? My best-selling t-shirt over the years has been My Name Causes National Security Alerts, What Does Yours Do? And it's just been, you know, flying off the, off the racks, as it were. So tell us a bit more about Hijab Man, who you are and where the idea came from. Well, uh, my website started when I was 14 years old. My mother actually said, you know, Beta, why don't you go and uh, sell these t-shirts or something? So I said, okay. So I flew with two bags to Chicago about four years ago and sold out within three hours. What's so good about being a Muslim in America? Because of all the people I've spoken to so far, they just think it's great. I think that they, they're a lot more dynamic. You know, I've lived in Egypt, I've lived in Syria. They're a lot more 
there's so much diversity here and that kind of creates see for instance hijabis will come up and be like hijab man why don't you have any long sleeve shirts right but i'm like hijabis wear short sleeve shirts here too it's you know you'll see muslims with pink niqabs black niqabs no hijabs whatever you know like beards it's just it's wild so one of my favorite things in the world is making niqabis who come up to my booth laugh because you can see the little indents through their niqab and then their eyes scrunch it's just a great feeling you know to make people laugh Assalamualaikum, this is Baba Ali from UmaFilms.com. You've got a stall here. Isna, it's the first day. Have you done any business yet? Alhamdulillah, we have. And actually been surprised, is usually the first day is supposed to be super dead. But Alhamdulillah, we've had people come by, check out the videos, people have bought stuff. So it's been good, Alhamdulillah. Whereabouts are you from? I'm from Los Angeles, California. And what's it like being a Muslim in Los Angeles? Different. You feel like the black sheep. Everyone looks at you like as being the, the guy like, hey, isn't that guy, the Muslim guy we watch in the bad guys in the movies and stuff like that. So it's, it's, a, it's a good opportunity to try to be a good example, inshallah. So by being a good Muslim and be showing a positive example, I think it's a, the best way to carry Islam, inshallah. Generally, even away from the bazaar, in the food courts, in the prayer halls and in the corridors, it's like a big family reunion. It's like someone's rented this massive, massive space and they've just invited all their friends along. My name is Shahad Amanullah. I am editor-in-chief of altmuslim.com. What does ISNA mean to you? The convention is kind of like a town square for American Muslims. People have been coming here since they, when they were kids, and so a lot of people have grown up in this, in this convention, and it's uh, memories that last all the way until the next convention. So what are you looking forward to about this weekend? I'm looking forward to seeing old friends, most first and foremost, and catching up with people about what they've been doing, but also learning a lot from, from the Muslim leaders that I've come to know uh, in, in America and, and how they're doing what they're doing and how to trade ideas with them to make, to make this place a better place for Muslims. The organizers of the convention make it clear that there's much more to it than shopping and socializing. There's political debate, spiritual discussions, panels, workshops, seminars and lectures. Here are some of the things on offer. Muslims 2008, Chicago Muslims Rally. And we're committed to create a party leadership that looks like all of America. The Islamic jurisprudence for minorities. And we should have respect for each other's places of worship, for each other's right. Garments of one another, the nature of a husband-wife relationship. And some women come into the relationship just feeling entitled to being taken care of. The struggle of Al-Aqsa and the Holy Land. Even one of Israel's oldest friends Jimmy Carter himself has said it, Zionism is apartheid. The speeches were not without controversy and stimulated some lively debate in the audience. But difference is something everyone seemed happy about. I caught up with Atif and his friend Shahid, and over chicken and rice asked them if they agreed with all the points that were being put at ISNA. Um, people like the concept of the programs and the conventions that, that are put on, but not everyone likes some of the rationale, ideas, and thoughts that ISNA comes out with. Is that because they're too conservative or too moderate or too liberal? Some people would say exactly opposite of each other. The most recent controversial thing was the moon sighting thing that uh, they came out with last year where they decided to pre predetermine the dates, start dates and end dates of Ramadan and Eid. And that had a lot of Muslims all across the world up in arms. I think that's a, a perfect example of how American Muslims deal with each other with respect to controversial opinions. 
the main opponent of that opinion was Hamza Youssef. And now you have Hamza Youssef appearing here at the convention and they're still on speaking terms and working terms. We have some really divergent opinions, but when it comes down to it, we still consider ourselves part of one community and can still meet at a place like ISNA and interact. Muslims are dealing with having bad reputations in the media, but it appears that Muslims that are in Great Britain have an even harder time with presenting the positive sides and the positive tenets of Islam with all the quote-unquote sheikhs giving out fatwas and all the virulent speeches that appear to be making their way into media headlines um, all across the world. I mean, you said just now that we scare you. Some of the stuff that I see being espoused or spouted from British Muslims is stuff that would never fly in, in even some of the most conservative mosques in America. And the fact that they actually publicly stage demonstrations and debates with signs advocating violence um, in public arenas and public squares is something that American Muslims have yet to see happen here. One of the people speaking at this year's programme was the ever-popular Sheikh Hamza Yusuf. Atif's point about scary British Muslims struck a nerve, so I started out by asking Sheikh Hamza what his impressions were of Muslims in Britain. Uh, I think Muslim Britain is complex. There's a lot of different trends. You certainly have the provincialist ghettoizing effect, where we stay within our, our rank and file and we don't venture out into the dominant culture because... There's an idea that the dominant culture represents a threat of dissolution of the Muslim identity, so it, it just uh, dissolves before their eyes. So I think there's a real concern about that. On the other hand, you have a lot of very bright, young uh, South Asian Brits who are emerging. I think, well, like yourself, I mean, there's a lot of people that are part of Britain, but also they're not alienated from their own uh, background. So I think it's, it's an exciting time to be a young um, British Muslim because it's a time when people are very interested. You know, when, when I first became Muslim, uh, it'd be hard even to pay somebody to, to listen to your story, whereas now I think people are genuinely interested. And some of it's out of fear, there's no doubt about that, but I think that, that provides an opportunity to alleviate those fears as well. So I think from, from that point of view, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm just hoping that those types of voices uh, will increasingly emerge. Now, this is my first ISNA, and I've been really impressed by the sense of unity and comfort as well about, you know, I'm Muslim, this is my identity. I may be a, a fashion hijabi, or I may be a Thobi um, Muslim, or, you know, I may be a hip-hop Muslim or a Latino Muslim. But away from ISNA, how does that translate into everyday life? Is that unity still there, or do you still have your cliques and your factions? Well, I think what happens here is that on a yearly basis, Muslims come from all over the United States, and a lot of Muslims feel alienated in Western uh, cultures, especially if they're committed Muslims. So when they come here, that dissolves. Suddenly I feel like I'm in a majority here. There's a kind of psychological euphoria that occurs in just being in a type of gathering like this. So I think in some ways, yeah, it's like somebody on asthma takes a, a good whiff of steroids you know, they, they start breathing freely, but it, it's probably a, a little bit uh, artificial in that way. Yeah, there's a lot of need for more uh, unity in our community. Although I would say that I think the American Muslim community is probably uh, more unified than European Islam. But I think some of that has to do with socioeconomic realities. The Muslim community in the U.S. is, is very economically successful. In fact, it's probably the single most successful immigrant community in American history, with the po possible exception of the Hindu community, who's, who's also uh, 
extremely successful. Um, now we're doing this interview in the hotel because I get the feeling that as soon as you walk into Isna, you'll get mobbed. You do have a following, and you know yeah. people have likened you to a kind of superstar, rock star, surfer, scholar. How does it feel having so much focus on you as an individual? Well, um, I don't. Yeah, I think people are pretty reasonable. I've never been mobbed. People uh, um, come up to me, and uh, s yeah, sometimes after a talk or something, you'll get a lot of people there. Um, I think it's it's a very wonderful thing when when people honor the work that you've done and the the commitment that you have. That that's how I see it, and I feel very uh, honored. Very quickly, there's a lot of stuff going on this weekend. What are you particularly looking forward to? For me personally, it's very heartwarming and also inspiring how extraordinary and diverse our community is, how much power there is in our community. And I would say that's true in Great Britain. Uh, the Muslims have yet to realize the type of power that they have. And unfortunately for those extremely ignorant people amongst us who resort to, to violence, which is the worst form of power, um, to resort to that, uh, you know, somebody said that violence is, is the last refuge of the inept. And I, and I think there's a lot of truth to that, that we're not recognizing the intellectual power, the economic power, the spiritual power that we have as a community. And so I think it's good for people here to see that. If people will recognize, realize, uh, and actualize that spiritual kinetic energy that's here and, and turn it into a transformative force, I think a lot of amazing things can happen. The relentless energy and positivity was really rubbing off. I loved the fact that Yanks were making the most of the opportunities they were getting. They're politically active and committed to social change. They're proud of their achievements and they're proud to be American. But to quote blonde cockrocker Brett Michaels, every rose has its thorns. A few days into the programme, I met Ibrahim Hooper, spokesman for the Council on American-Islamic Relations. It's uh, quite easy to be a, a Muslim in America. The law and the society and the traditions of religious freedom are on your side. The problem will come from individuals who hold a bias or prejudice. We just had somebody come up to our booth. She had been kicked out of a library here in Illinois for wearing a headscarf. And so there are challenges, uh, civil rights and foreign policy being another challenge. But uh, it's generally a good situation for American Muslims. Now, we've spoken in the past about Islamophobia. What's the situation in the States? Yeah, well, we, our, our polling consistently shows that about one-fourth of Americans is actively hostile to Islam and Muslims. That's a sizable minority, but it's still a minority. So there's a large segment of the society that's either neutral or favorably disposed to Islam and Muslims, and we try and work with those people to create bridges of understanding and try and marginalize the extremists who would be against Islam and marginalize any extremists in the Muslim community. What amazes me constantly is that America, or rather the Bush administration, was the principal architect of the war on terror. And yet, despite this, Muslims are proud to be American, even though you have Guantanamo Bay and Abu Ghraib and a continued presence in Iraq, Afghanistan, and an almost tacit approval of Israeli military action in the occupied territories. How on earth do you reconcile the two? It must be really hard for you. 
Well, uh, administrations come and go. Uh, one administration may have bad policies, but hopefully the next administration would have better policies on a variety of issues. So you just try and be part of the system, work within the system, engage politically, engage on uh, the social level, and work for a better future. But they're not going to change foreign policy just because of a minority. I mean, you are still in minority. No, uh, I think uh, if, if the real reason they should change foreign policy is because it would be better for America. But if Muslims can have a voice in the policy making, uh, I think that would go a long way towards helping the situation, particularly uh, with regard to the Middle East. So American Muslims have challenges too. But Ibrahim, like every other person I met, said that in the main, being an American Muslim is a good thing. From the beginning, I was told over and over about the strength of diversity of America's Muslims with their own culture, language and fashion. And believe me, knocking around Isna were all shapes and sizes, from Arabs to whites, from Black Nation of Islam to Latino brothers and sisters. I mean, how cool is it to say Salaam Alaikum to a Latino brother? And it certainly was diverse. Who would have thought you'd find beer-drinking, pot-smoking punks at Isna? Now, Shah Jahan Khan from the Kamina said that they haven't had much of a Muslim turnout at their gigs, and looking at this venue, I can see why. It's the basement of a house in downtown Chicago. It's a very Latino district, quite working class, bit run down, but anyway, you've got people spilling out from the basement into the backyard. There's uh, a big barrel of ice with loads of Budweiser cans in. People are rolling up. And it's predominantly white. It's grungy, skaters, metalheads, rockers, that kind of thing. It would obviously take some guts for somebody to leave the safety and sanctity and purity of the convention center and come to something like this. Oh, look, there's a hijabi. I don't know what she's doing. Oh, she's having a bit, okay. So what's your name? My name is Iyad Zahra. And you've just seen the Kaminas play for the first time. What did you think? I was really surprised. I've only heard them on MySpace and, you know, a couple tracks here and there, but to see them live performing, it's just, it's a whole other level. Really excited to be, to see it. Yeah. And what about the lyrics of some of the songs? I mean, they're really political. A lot of them are about religion as well. How did that work for you? To be honest with you, a lot of the lyrics, it was hard for me to decipher. I, I mean, I got the titles of the songs, you know, like Suicide Bomb the Gap and Sharia Law in the USA and I guess I didn't know the lyrics but from the, the concepts of the songs I, I thought they were beautiful. No, they were really and what about the whole Taqwa Palooza experience? It's fantastic when you see a girl in hijab slam dancing next to you, some dude who has no idea what they're listening to, to someone like me who's looked for uh, sort of a form like this their entire life and to finally see it. So Allah Akbar. It's sort of bizarre but so beautiful at the same time. So that was my ISNA experience. Shopping, socialising, spirituality and flirting. It's a microcosm of an atypical Muslim population. One that's mainstream, middle class and thoroughly native. I think we can learn a lot from our American cousins, but they seem to be pretty impressed by the vibrancy and cultural richness of our country. So there is some hope for us yet. And now for the hard part. This is the last weekly podcast that I'm going to be doing. 
inshallah, I will be back in October in some shape or form. Jazakallah to all our contributors, to my producers, Francesca Pranetta and Matt Hayward. Until next time, Jazakallah for listening and walaikum assalam. Guardian Unlimited.